he did take time to praise his rivals, Haley and DeSantis and Ramaswamy by name. Rather untrump like to do that, a gracious, but perhaps a sign of some message discipline, at least for one night. He also praised his wife, all five of his children, all five by name. All five of his children, all five. But he praised his five children, all five by name, Jake Tapper observes. I think that's probably a candidate envy because Joe Biden can't even tell you how many kids he's got, much less what their names are. Forget about the grandkids because he gets that wrong every time. Of course, they have the poor, the the illegitimate child. Navy Joan Roberts looks like a lovely child. Nice mom. But Joe Biden... Doesn't know how many grandkids he has. He he often gets wrong how many kids he has. If you pointed out you're a terrible person because his son Bo uh, died of a brain tumor, which Joe Biden attributes to his time as a lawyer in Iraq with the Judge Advocate General Corps, the JAG Corps, um, there is no reason to believe that's the case, but but never mind that. Uh, Democrats lie. The media, the media protects them because that's that's the role as they see it of the media. Now uh, let me go to soundbite number twenty-four because uh, last night Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a very smart man, a very successful man, and uh, he jumped in. He uh, he speaks well. I appreciate that. So many don't. And uh, he announced last night that that's it for him. Kaput, he's done. He's pulling out. As of this moment, we are going to suspend this presidential campaign. Suspend. And this is going to have to be, there is no path for me to be the next president, absent things that we don't want to see happen in this country. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory and now, going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. Absent things that we don't want to see in this country is being widely interpreted to mean that there's no path forward for him to become president unless Donald Trump is somehow removed from the process. Now, how would he be removed from the process? The, uh, the insinuation according to many, is that if um, an assassin were to emerge and President Trump were, be, were to be removed from the competition, from the race, then there might be a path forward for him. But as the process is currently situated, there is no path forward for him. And that might be a slight overinterpretation or an overwrought interpretation of what Vivek Ramaswamy was saying, but it is the way that it is being interpreted, let's say. Well, sure, if uh, Trump were assassinated, which is the topic of conversation across the country, no doubt, because the violent left uh, is really crazed about President Trump. And if you believe that he's Hitler and he's a threat to our democracy, as the Democrats and Joe Biden are claiming, then it, it goes to the old, well, if you could kill Hitler in the cradle, would you? If you could kill Hitler in 33, would you? And it's, uh, you know, philosophy classes have been kicking that one around for generations. And when the left convinces many violent lunatics, and there are many violent lunatic Democrats out there, 
that Trump is Hitler and a threat to democracy itself and all of humankind is online because global warming and it's the existential threat of our time, then uh, removing President Trump would not be the act of a psycho, but a noble act because you're saving all of humanity. And that's the way that the Democrats have framed a Trump presidency. Now, he was already president for four years, of course. And did he become a dictator? He made a joke about, yeah, I'm going to be a dictator for a day. I'm going to secure the border and I'm going to drill, drill, drill. And they just say, he said he's going to be a dictator. Yeah, for one day to secure the border, which he couldn't do in one day. And drill, 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 which he couldn't do in one day. But he can order these things in one day. Um, And honestly, they're creating a very, the Democrats are the media and the the left. uh, But I repeat myself creating a very dangerous political environment. And I've spoken about this uh, gingerly over the course of the last many months uh, about not envying the task of uh, leading President Trump's security detail for the Secret Service because the left has turned this into a, well, something that we've never seen before in American politics. Oh, and since Vivek talked they're about suspending his campaign, suspended a sentence, and uh, no path forward for him. He's done. That means his campaign is over with. And then President Trump said a couple of nice things about him. And Vivek Ramaswamy also said that he's throwing his support now completely behind President Trump, endorsing President Trump, right? So that's a little bit of a big deal. And if uh, Vivek is looking for a role, perhaps, in an upcoming Trump administration, it was a good play. He's a smart man, uh, Vivek. Also, it should be noted, because nobody remembered that he was running, Asa Hutchinson, who was actually still running for the nominee, the former governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, has announced that he is suspending his campaign. That's the political language. You're suspending your campaign. That means he's done. He's toast. Uh, Asa Hutchinson got 0% of the vote yesterday in in Iowa. Now, to be fair, he got 0.2% of the vote. So it's not 0.0% of the vote, but it is 0.2% of the vote that he got in the Iowa caucuses yesterday, finishing a distant sixth in a field of six. I think it's in a field of six. And 0.2% of the vote in Iowa is not very good. So Asa Hutchinson has suspended his campaign after gaining no traction in the Iowa caucuses. CNN reporting Asa Hutchinson suspending his presidential primary campaign, the former Arkansas governor announced on Tuesday. The announcement follows a dismal showing in the Iowa caucuses which were dominated by former President Donald Trump. Asa Hutchinson, 73 years old. He's he's been governor. He was a deputy secretary, I think, Department of Homeland Security. I think that's right. And a crowded field that also included several younger and current, uh, current and former governors who entered the race with larger national followings. Uh, so Asa is out. Vivek Ramaswamy is out. Um, and so we have that zero point zero. That was Dean Vernon Wormer from Animal House, of course, talking to the young men of Delta House. And that was uh, John Belushi, who had a zero point zero grade point average. 
And as you probably know, at the end of the movie, he went on to become Senator Blutarski, <laughs> uh, Washington, D.C., which is true, I think. All right, let's go to uh, soundbite number 20. Um, that's, you know, Blutarski, I think that might be, maybe that's Fetterman. He might be the, who's, who's closest to being uh, Bluto in the United States Senate or in Congress? All right, let's go to soundbite number 20. Uh, St- Steve Ducey, Steve Ducey. The um, the grown-up of the two. He is the anchor of Fox and Friends in the morning. He was sent to Iowa. I believe he's from Iowa. And he was sent to Iowa for the caucuses. And he was in on one of the caucuses because there are a bunch of them around the state, hundreds of them. And he was at one of the caucuses. And he was there when 31 minutes in, the Associated Press called it for Trump. And they hadn't even gotten going yet. I was actually at the caucus. And we were in the midst. Mm-hmm. The, the Associated Press called it 31 minutes after things started. Things started promptly at 7 p.m. Uh, Central Time. 31 minutes in, we're listening to some of the speeches, and Ari, the producer, mm-hmm. handed me his phone, and uh, it had been called for Donald Trump. Yeah. People were still giving their speeches, and then people in the room were looking at their phones about, hey, li- listen, uh, it looks like Donald Trump actually won. Uh, and Ron DeSantis obviously immediately said it was election interference. And Ron DeSantis says, naturally, it was election interference. And, and look, the Associated Press, our media is so filthy, so corrupt. I, um, I think they should be disbanded and we should start over again. But they're cranking activists out of journalism schools all around America. And newsrooms are filled with people who believe that it's their job to play a role in politics rather than report the news, honestly. And again, I cited it yesterday, the Albert Einstein quote, which is a great one and should be hanging in every newsroom in America and around the world. The right to search for truth implies also a duty. One must not conceal any part of what one has recognized to be the truth. If only that uh, were emblematic of our media. Unfortunately, that Albert Einstein quote is not what our media is about. They're more really about what Elena Gorakova said when she wrote her book in the Soviet Union called A Mountain of Crumbs. The rules are simple. They lie to us. We know they're lying to us. They know we know they're lying to us, but they keep lying to us. I think the Elena Gorakova quote is more appropriate for our media than the Albert Einstein quote. I'm sorry to say. And of course, the, you know, the merger of our news media and the Democrat Party goes right in with the old Benito Mussolini quote about what fascism is. It's a merger of state and corporate power. And uh, the state power here being the Democrat Party and the, and the uh, corporate power being the media not just the news media, but the broader entertainment media as well. That's a fact. Also, they had the Emmys last night. It's kind of funny. My friend Marty texted me, are you watching the Emmys? They're going totally woke, crazy, left-wing, radical uh, stuff. And I said, oh, the Emmys are on? I literally said, the, like, nobody watches the Emmys anymore. It used to be a big deal. The Oscars used to be a big deal. But they've gone so around the bend, the showbiz people, that only crazy people care what they're doing. Succession, that's a TV show. Some people watch that. Comma, Beef and the Bear, 
win big at delayed 2023 Emmy Awards. And, uh, oh boy, they won a bunch. Uh, anybody ever watch Beef? Never watched that. The Bear? Is that about a bear? Never watched that. I never watched success in either, uh, Succession either, but some people watch it. Uh, let's get back to uh, the to Iowa. That's how irrelevant the Emmys are now. Uh, that's it. That's all they're going to get uh, to attack with them. Yeah, so uh, Steve Ducey, Ducey talking about the 7 p.m. go time for the caucuses, 31 minutes in. And, you know, like 50 people show up in a room in a school gym or a, a church basement and and – uh, people take turns standing up and saying, here's why I think you should vote for President Trump, right? And they give a speech, and then somebody else stands up and say, hey, here's why I think you shouldn't, and you should vote for, um, you know, Vivek Ramaswamy. And they do it very civilized because we're good people, the American people, not like NBC News says. And, and it's very civilized and orderly. And they talk and talk, and then people write their, their pick on, on pieces of paper and they put them into a ballot box, and then the ballots are counted. Uh, it's like an old-fashioned vote. The Democrats hate that. They want mail-out ballots and ballot harvesting and surgical gloves to stuff the ballot boxes and everything we saw last time around. And then the Associated Press, 31 minutes in, and Ducey's at one of the caucuses, and at 31 minutes in, everybody's looking at their phone. Oh, look, Trump's already been declared the winner by the Associated Press. So now what do you do? If you're going to vote for Vivek, do you vote for him anyway? Or uh, do you say, well, Trump's already won. I'm going to vote for him. One thing's for sure, it corrupts the process. Steve Ducey. Keep in mind, if you're sitting in the room and you know that Donald Trump is going to win, and the story was he's going to win substantially, why say, you know what, I'm still going to vote for uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, even though he's going to lose. No, nobody wants that. Uh, the average person wants to be on the bandwagon. So I, want, I wonder, and I don't know, I just know that I was in the room when it was called and people had not started voting and people were looking at the results. They knew Donald Trump was going to win. And I don't know how many people said, you know what, I'm just going to go with Trump because I want him back a winner. It's, uh, it is a uh, corruption of the process by the Associated Press, by the American news media. Because they're not in the news business. They're not journalists. They're Democrat Party apparatchiks. And they tamper again and again with our system of electing our leaders. Our news media does. That is not the role they're supposed to be playing, just by the way. Um... Also, uh, Fox News talked to, to people, regular Iowans, who participated in the, in the caucuses yesterday, too. I've got uh, some of that coming up, and now we've got other news. Uh, an Air Force officer made history. Uh, Germany is, uh, are they worried that Russia is about to start World War III? Interesting stuff. And uh, diversity schmiversity. Hey, it's Chris Plant, excited to tell you about our July 2024 Listener Sea Cruise. We'll be sailing around the British Isles, visiting Scotland and Ireland. Please join us. Visit ChrisPlantCruise.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, Fox News was at a diner, uh, Lawrence Jones, and he... uh, uh, talking to nice people, Iowans who are just uh, everybody you talk to is just a normal person. Remember normal? I miss normal. We have remember normal shirts and coffee mugs at the Chris Plant store just in case. Here's a nice woman that uh, participated in the caucus. She caucused last night. This morning she was having breakfast. Lawrence Jones said, so who did you vote for at the caucus? She said, well, President Trump. How come, says Lawrence. I think he's the only one that can do the job right now. Mm-hmm. We need to reverse everything Biden has done. So I think Trump is going to be the only one with experience to do that. And he's not afraid. Need to reverse everything that Biden has done. And uh, boy, is that true. And, and uh, let's, when you're done with that, let's get to work on a whole bunch of the stuff that Obama did. And the Democrats in Congress, because... They are undoing the United States of America quite deliberately, methodically. They are waging a jihad, and now they've joined the actual worldwide jihad. They're waging a jihad against American values and, and the United States of America, our customs, our traditions. You know, uh, and then they call you a racist because they're the party of the Confederacy and the Klan. So naturally, they call everybody racist. Joe Biden is Mr. Jim Crow, didn't want schools to be racially integrated when his kids were going to school, didn't want his kids going to school in a racial jungle. And I got to tell you, if the Republican Party knew how to carry a message of any kind, uh, uh, uh. there's also, before I go today, I want to share with you a, a little something about myself and my family uh, that... I find to be kind of interesting. And in fact, I I might lay down a challenge of sorts about my family and broadcasting. And I have a a challenge for the whole country and for any other family. Um, Is that a a tease? That's kind of a tease. I've I've got that coming up this hour as well. Something that, well, I noticed and I want to mention. All right, here's a uh, little story I want to tell. Uh, I'm in the radio business, and I'm in the television business. My my grandfather, who I've uh, spoken about from time to time, my grandfather was a man named Patrick Henry Barnes, my mother's father. My mother was Barbara Ann Barnes. And Patrick Henry Barnes... Uh, with whom uh, I and my older brothers lived when we were children after our father died. Uh, And we moved from New York to Milwaukee after our father died and moved in with my mother's parents, Patrick Henry Barnes and Eleanor Barnes. And my grandfather uh, then was in the television business in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at WISN, which was then a CBS affiliate. It's now an ABC affiliate. But my grandfather... Uh, he published two books when he was in the radio business. And and um, he, in the fold of one of his books, he 
he says, talking of himself, describing himself, said that he entered the the radio business in 1924. Entered the radio business in 1924. Again, home from World War I, Purple Heart, other decorations, France fighting the Germans, all that stuff. And he entered the radio business. He actually wrote and produced a play on stage called A Buck on Leave about a soldier named Alvin Buck who goes on leave, right? And General Pershing, the commanding general of the Allied Expeditionary Forces in World War I, came to the play in Chicago, and my grandfather pictures of my grandfather with General Pershing and, uh, and all this stuff. And in 1924, he went into the radio business. He, by 1927, was voted the world's most popular announcer. There was only one kind of announcer at the time, you see. There, there was no television in 1927. And um, so radio announcers, that's the only kind of announcer you had. And ring announcers, although he was also the voice of the Dempsey-Tunney fight at Soldier Field, famous controversial fight, long count, all this stuff. But never mind that. So he started in the radio business in 1924, according to the fold in his own book. And I think he had been doing some radio, but not his own show before that, 22, 1922. But 1924, he had his own radio show. Uh, By 1927, he was voted the world's most popular announcer. He stayed in radio and in television um, for, uh, well, for the rest of his life until he was 80 years old. He was on television. And and, um, then my mother was also in the radio business from the time... My grandfather, Patrick Henry Barnes, was working in Chicago at WGN. He was working in New York on the radio. And they would do theatrical shows on the radio, right? Like from the New Amsterdam Theater on 42nd Street or whatever it is, right on Times Square. And they would do radio shows dressed in black tie and tail, white tie and tails, rather, and, and for radio, you know, and people couldn't see it. And my mother was also, from the time she was seven years old, was doing radio with her father, radio shows with her father. I have a recording of one when she was nine years old, a Christmas Eve show from the the uh, New Amsterdam Theater in New York City. Um, and my grandfather kept doing, and, and, and I, I learned much later in life that he was a good conservative. He was a good cons- and very active conservative. And uh, all kinds of stories to tell about that, too. But my grandfather continued the radio business and the television business when, after uh, our father died, we were living in New York. My mother was uh, no longer in the radio TV business. But after my father died, her husband died, we moved to Milwaukee and my mother started a television show on WISN, the CBS station in Milwaukee at the time. There, she met the man that would become our stepfather, uh, Bill Plant who came in as a new young reporter to WISN. He grew up in Chicago, became a reporter on WISN, the CBS station, in his first TV job. He then was hired by CBS News in New York, you know, Walter Cronkite. We moved back to New York, and he was a CBS News reporter for 52 years until uh, covering the White House from the beginning of the Reagan administration until the end of the Obama administration, right? And uh, in the meantime, my brother Daniel had uh, gotten on with his life, and he became a news reporter 
and he is a news reporter in San Diego now. He's also worked in uh, Austin, Texas, and Portland, Maine. Uh, as he was working his way up, he really wanted to be in San Diego, where he went to college. And uh, so uh, my brother Daniel's been on TV for 30 years, I think. I've now been on the radio for 18 years. I was on the television at CNN from the Pentagon before that. And here's the very long and tedious uh, story short. Uh, my family has now officially been on the air nonstop for 100 years for an entire century from 1924 to 2024, starting with my grandfather, my mother's father, and my mother, uh, and then stepfather, then my brother Daniel, then myself, we have, in an unbroken chain, have been on the air in the United States of America for 100 years. Now, electricity hasn't really been around for a lot longer than that. And and here's the, the query that I have. That's like a question, but a funnier word. And my, my question is, and I scratched my head, I was talking to my uh, couple of brothers about this yesterday, 100 years of on-air, of our family being on the air, radio and television. And uh, I just don't know if there's another family in the United States of America that could lay claim to that. And I, I certainly can't think of any broadcasting family. You know, uh, Chris Wallace, his father was Mike Wallace. And he was on CBS News for a very long time. But uh, I, I really can't think of another family that has been on the air television since the beginning of television and radio practically since the beginning of commercial radio. In fact, he may have been at the first radio station to come on the air, to be licensed to come on the air in the United States of America, too. But I haven't been able to confirm that. And... And I just think it's it's something that struck me as kind of interesting. Uh, certainly inside of our family, it's kind of interesting. A hundred years nonstop on the air for our family this year, 2024. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if there is another family in the country, or any other country for that matter, that could lay claim to that. Hmm. So that's the end of my self-serving story. But I... And I went uh, looking in, in one of the books that my grandfather published in 1932 just to confirm what I had believed to be the case. And this 1932 book called Pat Barnes' Sketches, Sketches of Life. Sketches of Life. And, and then, you know, in radio shows in the old day, they were, they were in the old days, they were theater. You, know? you didn't just come out and talk about the news of the day, although you did some of that too. But... Uh, he had told stories, and he had characters that he would do, and he did voices, and I do voices uh, sometimes. And, um, yeah, sketches of life in the fold, uh, he declares that he started in the radio business uh, in 1924. And this is 2024, so so I thought that was interesting enough that uh, I brought it up with a couple of brothers yesterday and, and on and on, and that's it. So I would uh, welcome, I would invite anyone uh, who said, no, there's another family that's uh, been on the air for a hundred years. And that family is, but I can't think of that family if uh, such a family exists. So that's the end of my story. Is that the end of it? That's the end of it. Sure. And 
And I'm not sure what to do with it exactly, with 100 years of, of uh, family on the air and maybe uh, holding the record for such things. But there it is. Uh, okay, and with, uh, and with that... We have, uh, we have a lot of news things still to get to. What time is it? It's uh, about 44 minutes after the hour, isn't it? Let's take another, uh, let's take another uh, phone call, Michael. Let's go to... Say, let's go to Matt, Matthew, calling from St. Louis, Missouri. Matt, you're on the Chris Plant Show. Hey, Chris. Happy Tuesday in Caucustopia. <laughs> Thank and you very the, much. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> hey, I thought the caucuses revealed uh, a big contrast between Republican and Democrat competence. You know, yesterday we had a clear winner, quick results, so quick that the Golden Stream media called it in 31 minutes. Uh, conversely, when you think back to 2020 Democrat Iowa caucuses, it was days and weeks, and I think eventually, literally months later, they declared a winner. But after a few days, you know, they may not have declared one even now. I don't know. But after a few days, they all just kind of moved on to New Hampshire and pretended like Iowa didn't happen. And then, of course, after that, they made the James Clyburn drug deal to, to bump out Bernie and to you know, help Joe Biden on Super Tuesday or Super Thursday, as he calls it. So, <laughs> you know, the the Iowa caucuses were all just, you know, just disappeared, basically. So I don't know if you remember all that, but that was when the Democrats run a caucus versus yesterday when the Republicans run the caucus. So Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Democrats um, couldn't figure out who won the Iowa caucuses, right? And they they held them, but... They never declared a winner. And that's what you're addressing here. That's your your uh, point. Um, the Iowa caucuses, and I just did a quick uh, whip it up here on the Internet. Iowa caucus results. Why Democrats won't announce a winner until March. This is the, the news media carrying water for them. Um, and, you know, boy, the, uh, the Democrats are, they are the party of anarchy and the party of chaos, which is why, because they love to project using the Russian playbook, which is why they love to accuse Trump and Republicans of being the party of chaos and the party of anarchy, because they know that they are the party of chaos and the party of anarchy. And, and as Victoria Newland of the Obama administration famously said under oath up on Capitol Hill one day, uh, well, you know, we know the Russian playbook, and this is how the Russian playbook works. It is classic Russian uh, technique to blame on the other guy what they're planning to do themselves. See, so they're the party of chaos. They preemptively call you the party of chaos because they know they're the party of chaos. They, and the Democrats, you're right, they can't run anything well. Can they? They prove that again and again, don't they? Yes, they do, Matthew, don't they? Yeah. And, and, you know, it was also reminiscent that 31 minute call. If you remember in 2000 at 7 p.m. Eastern, the Golden Street media started calling Florida for Al Gore, even though the conservative, you know, central time part of the panhandle was still voting. Um, so, so, again, they're always pulling tricks like that. Tampering with our system of electing political leaders. And it always coincidentally comes out to work to the benefit, accrue to the benefit of the Democrat Party. Isn't that true? Yes, it is. 
Yes, it is. That's, that's how they roll. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, well, as long as they're not rioting and burning and looting, I guess we're, uh, you know, we should be grateful for the violent criminal mob of Democrats in the street. Just remember, Matt, though, January 6th, because that's the only riot that ever was. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Amazing stuff. The Golden Stream Media. I like it. That's kind of fun, the Golden Stream Media. Thanks, Matt. Have a great uh, St. Louis day. That is, uh, that's remarkable stuff. It's true. The, uh, the Democrat Party is the party of anarchy and chaos and violence and mob violence and political violence. And they're the party of assassinating people and shooting at people. And, you know, they're the Democrat Party. That's their, that's their thing. Mm-mm-mm. Also, speaking of Democrats, they're running the FAA right now. And you may have heard about this. The FAA, Federal Aviation Administration, they've got a big diversity push going on. And according to the paperwork, they're looking to hire people with, quote, severe intellectual disabilities. Severe intellectual disability. They could hire Joe Biden, I guess. They could hire Kamala. That's really the whole government's being run by people with severe intellectual disabilities. Compassion is one thing. Common sense is another, says James Woods on the hiring initiative. James Woods is always funny. Funny guy, but that's their plan for the FAA. They should really hire the the Houthis, I think, to run the FAA. They love aviation. That ought to work out well. Uh, speaking of aviation, uh, the the Miss America contest was night before last. Probably more valuable than the Emmys last night. U.S. Air Force officer makes history as Miss America. Madison Marsh is the first active-duty military person to win the title of Miss America. She is uh, obviously a very nice-looking young woman, and she made history Sunday night, night before last 2024 Miss America pageant. She was Miss Colorado because she went to the Air Force Academy. She's a graduate of the U.S. Air Force Academy. She's now, I'm sorry to say, at Harvard University at the Kennedy School of Government. Um and I'm sure she will weather the storm there just fine. <laughs> they, uh, they'll attack her. But this is a, this is a pretty remarkable thing. Miss Colorado, Madison Marsh, um, crowned as Miss America after graduating from the U.S. Air Force Academy. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. And now she's at the Kennedy School of Government. That's not a very cool thing. At Harvard University, where they teach anti-Semitism and anti-Americanism. But I'm sure she'll be okay. Also, because we're watching for heart attacks and things like that in the age of the Wuhan vaccine, a famous, not in my household, but a famous influencer, influencer, uh, a weight loss influencer from Brazil named Mila de Jesus. Mila de Jesus, 35 years old, a fitness and uh, weight loss guru with all kinds of online presence died at the age of 35 of a heart attack. And if you looked at her, you'd say, that looks like a very, very healthy woman. Uh, and she died at the age of 35 of a heart attack. You know, the media never asks, well, was she boosted? They like to ask when you're boosted for, for irrelevant reasons, but when you die of a heart attack at 35 as a fitness guru, they never ask. Isn't that fascinating? Oh, yeah, there's something I failed to mention talking about uh, my grandfather starting in the radio business in 1924. Um, and he was on the air, I believe he was on the air until 1969. 
on television, once television came along. He is, he has been credited in a number of things that I've read with inventing, with creating the first soap opera, the first soap opera. It was on radio and uh, soap operas are called soap operas because their sponsors were soap companies, right? And my grandfather would do, again, theatrical shows on the radio, sometimes including my mother, his daughter, and Quick Arrow Soap. Quick Arrow Soap was the advertiser of the theatrical shows that he put on. Uh, And by virtue of that, a number of publications have said that Pat Barnes created the first soap opera. And there are people that contest that and say, no, 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 there's this other thing over here that was the first soap opera. But I haven't seen it proved one way or the other, to tell you the truth. So uh, I don't know if I'll be able to get perfect clarity on that. But it's kind of hard to find because things from the 1920s aren't all over the Internet. There was no Internet there for Democrats listening along. There was, yeah, there was no Internet. That's true. But it is, uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, so uh, two challenges here. And that is, is there another family that's been on the air nonstop for 100 years? And uh, is the Pat Burns Quick Arrow Soap soap opera really the first soap opera? Or was another show with a soap sponsor the first soap opera ever? Because the first soap operas obviously were on radio before television came along and and so on. And I uh, thank you for indulging me there. You know, I don't spend a lot of time prattling about myself, but uh, it was a story I wanted to share. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.